who was actually singing on this number one record in 1963. Well, you'll find out soon on this segment of The Anatomy of a Hit. This is Dr. Marv Rosenberg of the Safaris of Image of a Girl fame, and I'd like to welcome you to the show, The Anatomy of a Hit. The show that will give you the inside story of a hit from its birth to its development to it reaching the charts. Today we will be talking about a 1963 classic by The Crystals. Yes, it's He's a Rebel by the Crystals, one of the greatest hits of all times. Well, who wrote the song He's a Rebel? It was the famous singer who had these hits. Yeah, I want to love my life away. I want to love my life away. I want to love, 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 love my life away with you. Why do people that are so the bravest of them all. is the late and great singer Gene Pitney. Besides writing the song He's a Rebel, Gene also wrote these two big hits for other artists, Bobby V and Rubberball. Gene also wrote Hello Mary Lou by Rick Nelson. Gene Pitney was inspired to write He's a Rebel by hearing the song Uptown, which had a funky string section contrived by their producer Phil Spector. So Gene was determined to write something in a similar vein and came up with He's a Rebel. Here's Gene in an interview explaining his technique for writing songs and how he wrote this particular one. I have to lock myself in a room and say, I'm going to write today. And the process with me starts with either a word or a phrase, usually. I had rebel in my head for the longest time, the word, and knew that it would work. But I used to have a moment of truth in songwriting. When I would finish a song, or thought I was finished, I would play it on piano and sing the lead melody into a tape recorder. Then play that tape recorder back, and if there was a harmony, 
sing the harmony and play guitar into another tape recorder. Then I would sit down and listen to that last tape recording of it. When I did He's a Rebel, I wrote the first one and it was god-awful. And I scrunched up the paper. It just didn't have, I knew that He's a Rebel had to go somewhere. And I really had the crystals in mind. I wanted to follow up Uptown, which Spectre had just cut. That's the only time I've ever done that, where I actually wanted to do their recording. And I just knew that it didn't work. So I threw the paper away and I started again. I don't know how long this took, but it was a series of months. Second time, same thing. I just didn't get there. And it's funny, when it starts to flow, it just rolls. I hit it on the third time, lucky, and the thing was just coming to me in waves, and I put that odd modulation in there, which is in the middle of the song, as opposed to being after like a series of verses or choruses, that really made the thing work, and it was just so natural to do it. After writing the song, here is Gene singing the song when he was in the studio. Listen. The song He's a Rebel was presented to the Shirelles, who had such hits as Dedicated to the One I Love and Soldier Boy, but they turned it down. Now, who was actually on the record? They were a group called the Blossoms, not the Crystals. The Blossoms were three background singers, which included Darlene Love, and you could hear the Blossoms singing background on so many big hits. Now, Phil Spector chose to record He's a Rebel with the Blossoms for an interesting reason. First, the Blossoms were in Los Angeles, and the Crystals were in New York. And he heard that Vicki Carr had recorded it and was going to put it out on the market, so Phil wanted to rush it out as quickly as possible. 
So with the Blossoms in Los Angeles, he got them in the studio, and the record was made and released. Because this version was so superior from Vicky Carr, her version only reached number 115 on the charts. Let's hear Vicky Carr's version of He's a Rebel. Most producers will pick a song that fits the artist, but with Phil Spector, he didn't think the artist was that important. He treated performers as interchangeable chess pieces, and he didn't treat the actual singers of the songs as human beings and refusing to even give them credit for the work they've done. Phil was more interested in the overall sound and the song, and the singer was put in at the last moment. There was no strings on this record, which is what Phil Spector normally used to put on many of his records, but it did feature a wailing saxophone section, a slapback echo, four pianos, and plenty of hand claps. And of course, the amazing sound of Darlene Love singing the song. In an interview with John Bathke, Darlene explains her role in the session. Listen. Okay, here we go. He's a rebel. Uh, take seven. We overdubbed with Phil probably more than we ever overdubbed for anybody. That that's, makes for that muddy sound that you hear. A lot of times you can't understand what the background is doing. Sometimes we'd overdub three or four times. So it was only not six voices. There were 12 voices in the background. But like the background voices were, were done after 
the actual track was laid down. It would never take me more than three to five takes to actually get my lead part. Darlene also explained how she made a mistake at the end of the song, which apparently didn't phase Phil Spector at all. Well, listen. Mistakes and all. He's a rebel. Those were mistakes at the end of the no, 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 no. Those were mistakes. I tracked my voice on He's a Rebel. Just the same lead, the same melody, two times, right? And I didn't, I couldn't, I did not remember how I did the no, no's <laughs> at the end of He's a Rebel. So he just told me to do it, you know, do it again. And I did. And consequently, they came at different times. We're like, my first no, no was one way, but when I got ready to do it again, it fell in another place. So he kept it. I told him, I said, you're not going to put that record out like that. He said, yes, I am. <laughs> Darlene also experienced some frightening moments when the producer, Phil Spector, had guns in the studio. Darlene explains. Are you surprised that he has ended up where he is now? No. In prison? No? I'm not surprised because years ago, I probably was one of the only person that would tell Phil, listen, if you don't stop fooling around with them guns, you're going to hurt somebody. Because I think it's stupid, Phil. It's stupid to have guns in the recording studios. And you know, the, the people in the studio ducking it, carrying on. I said, well, if you think I'm coming in there, you crazy. I'm going back home. And he would tell him, well, take these guns and, and put them up because, you know, Darlene ain't going to come to work if, if I have these guns. I said, well, they crazy. Why are they in here sitting here while you waving a gun and they ducking? He did that in the recording? Yes. But I wouldn't go in. You know, somebody would come out and say, you know, Phil is in there with them guns again. I would say, well, tell him. I'll see him later. And I would go home and somebody would come get me and tell me, don't go out, go, because he... Um, he put the guns up. At A&M Records, he was not allowed in that studio anymore because he went over there and shot up the whole bathroom. Since the Blossoms and Darlene Love were complete unknowns to the public, the record was credited to the group The Crystals. Now, when The Crystals heard it on the radio, they didn't feel very good about it. Their lead singer, Lala Brooks, said this in an interview, I quote, the girls and I in the Crystals were riding in a car, all of us going to a gig, and we hear on the radio, he's a rebel and he'll never be any good, unquote. Lala added, we hear he's a rebel, but we don't think anything of it. But at the end, the disc jockey said, this is a song by the Crystals. And Lala said they looked at each other like, the Crystals? Where did that come from? They were very confused. Another crystal, D.D. Kennebrew, got really upset. Lala said he, uh, she knew that it used to irritate D.D. when fans would compliment her on how great those records were when she never got to sing on them at all. Mary Thomas of the Crystals recalled that their mouths fell open when she and her roommates heard a disc jockey announce, This is the new Crystal song. They were a little upset. We've got your music, music, music. Remember then, radio.com. All oldies, all the time. He's a Rebel was recorded by several other artists. Let's hear a few. 
the great Sheena Easton had a version. Listen. See the way he walks down the street. Watch the way he shuffles his feet. How he holds his head up high when he goes walking by. He's my guy. The Orlons who had South Street and Don't Hang Up, they did a version of He's a Rebel. a record called El Quad, <laughs> which was a silly novelty record. He's not a rebel. Listen to a portion of it. Then we got his brother Raul. Here's a guy who's not very cool. The way he laughs and has a ball when he hollers to the wall. That's the reason why I say he's a rebel, but he doesn't do now even the crystals didn't record he's a rebel they did have some other hits here are a few of them there's no other like my baby Uptown. He gets up each morning and he goes downtown Where everyone's his boss and he's lost in an angry land He's a little man But then he comes uptown each evening to my Then he kissed me. Well, he walked up to me and he asked me if I wanted to back. He looked kind of nice and so I said I might take his chance. When he danced, he held me tight. And when he walked me home. Now, Darlene Love has spent the majority of her career singing background and supporting other artists. At one time, she was dating Bill Medley of the Righteous Brothers, who suggested that she may want to consider a solo career. Here's what Darlene did. And Bill Medley, one of the Righteous Brothers who I dated for three years, came up to me one day and said, okay. Are you going to be a backup singer all your life, or do you want to start a solo career? 
And I thought about it and I said, you know, it's time for me to be a solo career. And I have a solo career and I was 40 years old. Because she didn't do much work in the record business, she had to take a regular day job. How did you survive? The work just kind of just faded away. Uh, the background sessions were, I still had a lot of those, but those kind of faded away too. And I actually started doing day work. I actually, I had a Mercedes at the time that was paid for. I had fur coats that were paid for. So nobody really knew I was having all this trouble, difficult, because I never, never carried myself around like, oh, poor me. I can't find a job. You know, what am I going to do? I did day work. I was making $50 a day. Cleaning houses, honey. <laughs> you became a housekeeper. Yes. <laughs> it didn't matter to me. It was about making a living. And, did uh, anybody in your family know you were doing this? They say they didn't, but I'm sure they did. But one day she heard herself doing a solo on Phil Spector's Christmas album, Baby Please Come Home. Well, when she heard this, this really opened her eyes to a solo career. Because I knew I was never going to stay here. And the proof of that is when... Um, I went to this lady's house to start cleaning. I had been working for her a couple of months, and it was during the holidays. And I heard Christmas Baby Please Come Home on the radio. While you were cleaning her? While I was cleaning her bathroom. Oh. And I looked in the mirror and I said, this is not what I'm supposed to do. I have a talent, a God-given gift, and I should be sharing it, I should be doing it. And from that day, to this day, I never looked back. No matter whether I didn't have any money, whether I didn't have any gas to put in my car, it was always about a goal that I was trying, gonna try to reach. Now in that interview, Darlene does give credit to Phil Spector, listen. Phil Spector, mm -hmm. huge part of your career. Probably would not be in the Hall of Fame without him. I say that all the time because all of those records were great records. Now, we didn't think they were great records when we were recording them. I was 17 years old, so I mean, you know, <laughs> you know, Be My Baby, great song. He's a rebel. Yeah, okay, right. You know, <laughs> wait till my baby gets home. Yeah, sure the boy, oh, come on. I need something with substance that's going to be a hit. But all of those records are still around today and they sound great. If it was not for Phil Spector, I would not, let me tell you for sure, I would not have a career today. But yet the most difficult person you've said to work with? He made his name recording Be My Baby, He's a Rebel, the Do Run Run. That's when he started getting a little crazy. And I had a seven-year contract with Phil, and he wouldn't let me out of that contract. That's when it got difficult and nasty. And it meant so much to her, as she explains, being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. To get into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is like, went to me, winning the Oscar, winning the Grammy, winning the Tony, all of those together. It's what I feel about getting into the Rock, getting into the rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it's been a long time. Darlene was also singing lead for Bobby Sox and the Blue Jeans, another record produced by Phil Spector. Let's hear a bit of that. Oh, 
I personally had the honor of singing with the Blossoms, which included Darlene Love, when my group, the Safaris, were managed by Herb Albert and Lou Adler. They started their own label, and we recorded their song called A Lover's Poem. It was the Safaris and the Blossoms with Darlene Love, and we were called, <laughs> would you believe, the Angels. Listen to a portion of the record we recorded, even though it wasn't a hit. Just you and you alone can make my life so worthwhile. Just you and you alone can turn a tear into a smile. You and you alone, my love, have the love that I need. You and you alone, you're the only girl for me. Darlene Love did have two hits on her own. Remember this one? Today I met the boy I'm gonna marry. Then she had that hit, Wait Till My Bobby Gets Home. I hope you enjoyed this particular episode of Anatomy of a Hit, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening. You're now going to hear the complete song that we've been talking about today, He's a Rebel by the Crystals, uh, actually the Blossoms. <laughs> this is Dr. Mark Rosenberg of the Safaris. Hope you enjoyed the show, as I said, and look forward for you to listen next time. Goodbye, everybody. Oh